And we're going to go jump right into it. Um, we're going to go right in order. We've got the renewal of the variance request from lifeguard requirements at the North Court Pool. Anyone here for that? Yes. Good. Let's just step on up and introduce yourself. Now, you're the same gentleman who was here last year? Yes. So my name is Jake Ruskowski. I am the pool chairperson for North Court Swim and Tennis. Uh, this year is our 60th anniversary, so we've been around for 60 years. I didn't even know that until our family meeting this, this week, but we have 60 years. Uh, last year we were pleased to be granted the variance that allows us to have non-lifeguard hours at our pool. That's something that the 60 prior years of existence was available at the pool and what the request for the variance is is that we typically have lifeguards during the very busy hours when we have the vast majority of the, the families using it it's 52 member families in the pool and basically what it is is it it allows 52 families in Northboro the opportunity to have a pool that would otherwise not be affordable um, if you just imagine the cost of having you know it's a roughly eighty thousand dollars to put a, a pool in ground pool. So we have this wonderful pool and the agreement was that we typically have the lifeguards 9 to 4 Monday through Friday and 10 to 4 on Saturday and Sunday and that represents the vast majority of when most of the users use the pool. The variance applies to the hours after that when we only have a few people using the pool. There might be one or two families there between the hours of 4 and 8. Um, pool closes at Sunset. That's when all the drowning takes place. No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, uh, you know my position on it, I, but uh, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, my position's always been I like the lifeguard being there, but um, last year you came in, you said your piece, you said your piece a couple yeah. times, you did a good job. No incidents? Nope. No incidents. We, we meet with the fire department annually to go over. Um, any emergency conditions, they asked us to put up additional signage, which we did yeah. uh, mark off fire lanes for emergency vehicles. Uh, we've worked with Kristen. We have roughly, I would probably guess by the, the time this pool season starts, 60% of our member families will be CPR certified, which was one of the requests yeah, that was, great. was great. done. Um, I myself are taking my re-up certification on the 16th coming up we those are really good numbers 60 yeah. percent yeah. because well, of this yes wow because we wanted you know people obviously want to be able to use use the pool there are, uh, there are families that just don't use it after hours yeah. because they have baseball they have you know summer sports whatever but for a lot of people that have parent co-parents that are working nine to five yeah. it's you know it's really essential and it's just, there's not, one, there's not an availability of lifeguards to work at those hours. We're fortunate enough, we actually had to, um, we have somebody come in and train our lifeguards. That's what we did last year. We have, he's a y YMCA certified trainer. He works with the camps and he'll be training the, the individuals that will be our lifeguards this year Good. as well. So, um, but yes, we have a high percentage of certified, CPR certified people. And everyone has the understanding that 
the way the way it works at North Court is that it's the parents' responsibility first. The lifeguards are a backstop there. This is it's different than what you would find at a YMCA where you have kids running around and the and the parents mm -hmm. are chit chatting. Our pool's 30 feet by 60 feet. It's there's no obstructions, clear visibility from any angle. Every family member knows that the requirement is that an adult must be in the pool area. If an adult needs to use the, ba the bathroom, what they have to do is they have to go out, bring their children out, lock the gate so that they cannot come in until they're able to come back in. And it's been that way. I've been a member, my family's been a member for six years, and we observe that religiously to make sure that the pool stays safe. There's nobody that wants any harm to come to any of our kids. Um, of course. The lifeguards are there for, like I said, they're, they're a backstop. They do swim training for all the young kids. We have swim training that starts at age five um, up to, I believe it's 12 or 13. Um, we have half hour classes for that every Monday through Friday. And the kids really enjoy it. They learn a lot. My son's progressed so much in the last couple of years. He used to be afraid of the water. Now he's, yeah. he's, he loves it. Um, but it's also at the same time, it's, you know, it's crucial that if you want kids to get better at swimming, they need to get in the pool when, when the pool is available. And to say that we can't no longer swim after 5 p.m. because we, we, can't, we simply can't have a lifeguard there when there might be one family in that three-hour interval or two families. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, it, then, it, then it falls on the parents. And generally what we do is you know, a couple parents will call up and say, hey, we're going to the pool. Do you want to go over? And we might have three or four families. I would say the ratio is typically almost a one-to-one -one ratio with adult to a child at that pool. Um, so again, if anybody's been members in the past, whatever, it's a wonderful experience. Uh, there were several selectmen. Our former town administrator was a past member, John. Um, so we've had, you know, is there an, I'm sorry to interrupt again. Is there an indemnification agreement or a clause or anything for the town of Northboro on this it's one? It's all privately owned. Right. So it's really up to the board of health, the jurisdiction, approve any variance. Did we require that last year? I know it came up. There was up. a question about the insurance and that yeah, your insurer yeah. was comfortable insured, yes. with that because we there was discussion last year over the signage. So to you know, just further clarify, I know you all have copies, and Jake, you submitted that to me yesterday. You had emailed. Yes. Um, and so you all have a copy so the board may have not had enough time to go through it. I just had yeah. a couple questions uh, through the chair, if you're okay. Sure. I just want to clarify, we, we had a very extensive discussions last year, and we really appreciate all the effort North Court has made um, to try to make it safe and meet the board's requirements. Um, I noticed a couple things from your updated request versus what we talked about last year, and part of it, maybe we weren't super clear in how we worded it, but I just want to clarify, last year, if you remember, we voted the variance for the set hours, and you're asking for the same set hours, right? So no change to the hours. So you're asking for variance on the hours during the busy season. I can get to that next. Um, and I, I did give you guys like a draft motion, so we'd sort of be clear as to what we might be talking about here. Um, and just looking at the time, so you're saying you wouldn't have a lifeguard available the 4 p.m. to 8.30, the less busy times. When the board voted it last time, they talked about having an adult who's CPR trained to sort of be a pool attendant. And there was a discussion of that person not supervising more than 10 swimmers at any one time. Are you still agreeable to that cap? Absolutely, okay, yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah, see that, it in your there, there, I, um, I would say there would never be a circumstance where, where that would be allowed in a pool. For one thing, 
members are only allowed to have up to five guests, so okay. it would be very difficult to, and it's not, you know, we do, we do not have large parties there. If you have a party, you're required to have lifeguards. Okay. Um, so. so the other point of clarification, um, you had in writing CPR and first aid, but I think we just want to clarify last year we just required CPR certification, which is what most of your members, because that's the, First aid's a lot more time, and I don't think. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's like the the YMCA, um, yeah. or sorry, the the, the uh, Red Cross. I would have to see the. I think there's a CPRAD. If they've been doing through the Be Well program, like you mentioned, okay. it's the American yeah. Heart Association. You said some of your members went to our training, so that just to clarify, it's CPRAD. Um, and then you talk about you know the window, and I know it's always been this way where you, you don't get the lifeguards in until like the season really kicks off, but yes. you may have members swimming. So before then, so what is your opening date you're proposing? So typically we open on Memorial Day weekend is the okay. official opening of the season, and we do have lifeguards on those weekends um, since the majority of the lifeguards are either college students or high school students Obviously, they, they can't work until the, their school terms are over. Um, this year, it just so happens that the lifeguards that we have are, we have one college student and I believe it's three high school students. So the high school students will not start full time. Um, the pool is very sparingly used. It is cold. It's 56 <laughs> degrees right now, the water temperature. Okay. And um, it doesn't tend to get up into the 60s until the middle of June. So. Okay. Um, it's not used very much until that end of the school year. Um, so if we were to move the board along and just having a clear motion, because it seems like that pre-period you're asking for a variance because it's sparse with the pool attendant. So let's, yeah. should school lets out that, on the 22nd. So and we'll that wasn't applicable that, last year because our variance didn't late. start until July. So. so if we were to say this year, would you say June 23rd, that's the day after school lets out? Is that like when you'd start with the lifeguards? No, the lifeguards start on weekends, um, weekends. on Memorial Day weekend. Okay. So that's, you know, that's, that's when the, the bulk of, of people, if, if they're going to use it, they're going to use it on the weekend because, yeah. you know, because of school, you know, nobody's okay. really using it on the weekdays or until school's over. Okay. So you'd start life gets midweek and like the last week in June after school's let out. At that point, yes, they start, they start Monday through Friday and Saturdays and Sundays. Okay. And then when does the pool close? Like when would you stop? The, the pool closes Labor Day. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the lifeguard that is a college student would at some point in August return to college, but we would still have the, um, the high schoolers until the, um, until school starts. So, okay. so, the so it's typically the, the last open weekend is generally Labor Day weekend. So okay. on that Monday and the last day of lifeguard coverage during the week would be what day approximately? Of, of, f the, of normal coverage? Yeah. I would have to, I'd have to look and see when the school term starts for, um, fall this year because we would we would expect that the, the lifeguards that we currently have employed would, would stick on stay on until okay. that period so three we could just generically if the board were to make a motion you could say you know during the school summer break or something like that weekend coverage college you're talking about college or like no the, the Northborough public school calendar oh. or something like that is okay. what it sounds like okay so, so as far as the motion that he's looking for today mm -hmm. It's the same motion that he was approved last year, except for the date, specific date changes of what we're dealing with right now. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for coming in again this year. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, in your, in your write-up, you indicate that 
the families are encouraged to take the Red Cross water safety program? Yes. But they're not required to. They're not, they're not required. We ask that everybody do it. Um, there's really, I don't have an enforceable mechanism to, okay. you know, to, to say that. We're not, we're not gonna ask everybody to, to do that. I took it, it's, it's a very short course and I found it extremely inf uh, informative. So I, I recommended it. We had our, week, our, our annual meeting this past Sunday and I advised everybody to take it. We do ask all new members to take it. It's just the current members that I, that I can't really enforce that they. Was that through the Be Well program? We've been that's funding half of it through the Be Well, like offsetting the full cost of the program. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but that, that so that's different than different the CPR, yeah. yeah. That is just a water, a pool safety course oh. yeah, for, for families and caregivers. Yeah, that one, this one's an online course. So water it's safety about, yeah. Tomorrow. I want to say it was a 45 minutes of yeah. tutorials. The, 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 and the CPR first aid course, separate, rather, yeah. is separate. And so new families are being asked to take that yes. class. Yes. Now, if they choose to not not swim after when when there's non lifeguard hours, we're not requiring families to do that. But they they, they all have the understanding that at four o'clock to eight to, to dusk, it's you know if they're there, somebody has to be trained. Just one one you know if there's two parents, one. Right. And, so. and you guys keep a list somewhere that you've seen the certifications. Yes. The training's been completed and, and the expiration dates and all that. Mm -hmm. So you know all that. I don't know that I have the expiration dates. We're, we're I, I would have to check on that. Okay. All right. That's all I have. Thanks. Anything down there? No. Nope. Are we ready on this end, Kristen? Last year we didn't have the clearest motion. I think it just led to some confusion. So I tried to draft it a little cleaner. Yeah. Can I run a draft motion by you? Please. <laughs> so we're all clear. So I so the board will entertain. Yeah, let me see the if I reading I'm of the motion, and <laughs> also entertain the motion being so moved. So moved. <laughs> so I'm just checking because we originally tried to break it in two parts. But I would my, a draft motion or propose a motion to approve the variance request for the lifeguard requirement for Northcourt Swim and Tennis Association as follows for the public school summer break and for weekends outside of the school calendar. The lifeguard requirement is waived between the hours of 4 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., provided that a pool attendant who is 18 years of older and current on CPR certifications is present for every 10 swimmers. Does that? Yeah, that would satisfy, yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think we need to simplify it. That's it? That, yeah, we don't have to get that complicated. Simplify okay. it. Okay. So moved. All those in favor? Aye. Have a safe season. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks you for take. coming in. We'll send you a quick email just so it's official and documented before the minutes come out. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Okay, moving on. Uh, we're going to go with the local upgrade approval. 36 East Main Street, seeking C3 uh, variances. Reduction in the property line setback from the road. Uh, it's required 10 feet, looking for a six footer. Uh, reduction in the property line setbacks from the abutter. Uh, 10 feet required to six footer. And reduction in the setbacks from the foundation from 20 feet to the 14 
proposed. And let's hear the hardships. Okay, uh, Vito Colonna, Connorstone Engineering. Uh, I can lay the. Yeah, oh, I have a plan. Oh. Good. Thank you. So it's a it's a very small lot. It's a 50 foot wide by 100 foot deep, uh, with an existing house on it and a shed in the back. Uh, so we have very limited space yeah. on what we can fit out there. Um, they have a failed cesspool in the front that collapsed, um, so that's oh. in need of. Uh, replacement. Um, so we did the testing out there. It's good soils. It's all sand, uh, less than two minute an inch rate. Uh, so we kept it as small as we possibly could. We used a galley, which creates the smallest footprint possible uh, for the size of the system and the, the flow rate that we need. Um, we did look at alternative systems, but those actually wouldn't get any smaller just because. You usually need 400 square feet for an alternative system, and that's that one's only 302 square feet. Uh, so it's really the smallest system we can make, um, and we tried to balance the setbacks from the foundation and the property line. So we kind of asked for both variances, but we kind of split yeah. the difference between the two. We really have not had a problem with the variance from the road. Mm -hmm. You know, it's understandable, and it's yeah. a road. And DPW, sorry, Mr. Chair, DPW has reviewed this and is comfortable with the setback to the road. Excellent. Um, the problem that I always have is with the abutter. Uh, you know. Oh. Good. <laughs> so there's no problem yeah. with the current abutter. Mm -hmm. Problem is someday when you move on. I'm never leaving. Never. I've been here for 34 years. I'm never leaving. Okay. Um, so we put something, uh, a deed recording or something? This, or we just leave that alone? Yeah, no, we've done it before. Um, you know, it is allowed. So, you know, Vito um, with Connerstone Engineering has followed the Title V requirements of requesting a local upgrade approval. And there's, you know, a set you work through yeah. in order of preference. And the first thing to always look at is reduction in setbacks to you know property lines, et cetera. So yeah. I, I really feel like in my review, I mean, when we went to the site, and I do want to yeah, set the so scene that it isn't, it's nearly an emergency <laughs> repair. Okay. This is yeah. a very small property right on the road, not even, a, you're looking for the driveway, it doesn't exist. This is right. a really tight lot. Um, you know, the, luckily there's a water service that's coming in straight in, so that knocks out, you know, that, that very small front lawn area. It was a cesspool to a second overflow cesspool. And the second cesspool has failed and totally collapsed. And we actually ended up with an emergency call from the DPW that was called out to secure the site. And um, so it's definitely, you know, it would have been an emergency repair and not come here except for the property line setback yeah. with the abutter. We never want to just run through that process. Right. Um, and so I really, you know, given all the site limitations, they sort of gave a little bit wherever they could. Um, although you're doing the setback from the foundation, it includes a barrier. We didn't put one in, but we could add that. That's my question on, yep. the, on yeah. that. So anything less than 20, we could require for a barrier to be yeah. added, which is just one layer of protection. Yeah. <coughs> but for the property line setback, when our butter here, it's there's no house right next to it. I mean, the what the next door use, it's really an open access drive. I mean, it's completely open next door. Yeah. 
and um, okay, so it's and it's vegetated, and you yeah. know, I, and this okay. wouldn't impact their use in any way. The, the structure is staying. That's the lot right there. Okay. Uh, and luckily, this isn't a fill system, so there's no okay. grading so going down chips towards the gutter. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's nice chips. Yeah. Well, I know where we are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know the house now. That's the back entrance. Yeah. And then when you look at the back of the property, yeah, the, they did ball, put in. Uh, police departments. Uh, yeah. Where is the police department? It's up here down the street. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yep. And the back of the property, if you were to talk about relocating it to the back, again, that's limited with a very large. Um, is it a pine balsam? Spruce. 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 What do we have? Very large, and they just put in a beautiful patio, stone area, up the small area of the backyard. So. If you were to try to chase property mm -hmm. lines, that would require rerouting plumbing and ripping out the only finished living space they have off the back mm -hmm. of the lot. So, um, Plus I, we have a shed back there. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's so many limits. This yeah. is a, yeah. I think when we were out there, we were counting well. the number of variances. We were anticipating yeah. we'd see with this one. So uh, either way, it's a cesspool now, which yeah. doesn't really provide for treatment, you know, that we would see at these standards that Galley will be much improved. You know, there's no setbacks to um, groundwater, so regarding protecting groundwater in the environment, I think it's adequate. Yeah. There will be a two-bedroom deed restriction, mm -hmm. so it is a very small property. There's yeah. no room to upgrade, um, nor are they proposing it. You know, it's an older historical home, and so there will be a requirement um, to just, anytime we do a two-bedroom, we just require the deed restriction. So I guess the only change proposed from the plan before you would be adding the barrier. Yep given that you're within 20 feet of the foundation. Very good. Do we have the, the abutter? Hey, I think, it's a, uh, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a younger couple. Can you get them? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, well, yeah, we're good. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's good. So we got three, and I, I think, uh, any questions on this one? No. Uh, the chair will entertain a motion from the board. I move to approve the local upgrade approval request for 36, is that 36 East Main Street as proposed with the inclusion of the deed restriction. And barrier. Barrier. And barrier. Uh, second that. Got a second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Unanimous. Thank, Thank you. Job well done. Thank you for coming in. Excellent. Thank you, sir. I know how it is. <sighs> Public hearing. We haven't had one of these. We're ready. Since I've been here. No. I don't think. Yeah. So we, we do. I'm sorry, you get a, a tick. <laughs> so, so we, I give uh, a quick update. So the um, revised regulations, we reviewed. Well, we reviewed the model regulations at our last board of health meeting. The board expressed some interest in certain items being changed. Michael's worked diligently um, to make those changes and post a draft. Um, regulation to the website and that was posted in the telegram and gazette for two consecutive weeks prior to this so um, I guess it is time to take comment from the public if we have any but we should officially have a motion to open the public hearing I, can I ask a procedure question yes I actually read this end-to-end -end and have some questions and comments myself I do as well 
Yeah. yeah. So is that something we do before we open it? I think we could open. We do have um, Sarah um, McColgan, who's with MHOA, so we, she could speak to it. I mean, at any point, we could discuss those revisions. Other revisions that came through very late, well, just yesterday from town council that we had to incorporate in are, are present with you here now. So we can, I would say we could do the public hearing process and solicit that input from the public. We can either keep that open and continue it to our next meeting, or if we feel like the opportunity for the, like, the whole process is the public has the ability to comment. Um, Angie right. had emailed the draft regulation link and information to all of our tobacco retailers last week, letting them know that um, this would be discussed at tonight's meeting, providing them the link to the copy. So um, if we want to check the box on the public process, we could right. take that. And then we could discuss this week. We could continue discussion to next week, but procedurally we could meet the public hearing requirement right. first if we like you know i think that's what that's, we that should would be, be doing. my recommendation that's what we should be doing yeah. okay and then we get uh the two doctors in because mm -hmm. otherwise yeah it could be trouble trouble of ruin in any event uh, okay i'm going to move that we open this uh section of the meeting for a public hearing regards the revision to the regulations of the Northboro Board of Health restricting the sale and use of tobacco products and nicotine de delivery products. This would be regulating the sale and use as opposed to restricting? Well, that is the original way our regulation is worded. So it was posted with a notice that's a revision that's too, because that's the exact title of our existing regulation in that draft motion, but I believe it was shortened in Michael's draft here. So the long title is proposed to be shortened to regulation of the Northboro Board of Health, restricting the sale and use of tobacco products because tobacco products in the updated model draft are defined to include uh, other products so we don't have to make such a wordy, lengthy title of our regulation. I have a problem. My problem is with the word restricting as opposed to regulating. Am I wrong on that? Do we have to change the whole? It's a regulation of, so we have the word regulation in there as well the as restriction. Fine. Yeah. All right. I just think restricting is kind of a, it's a done deal. There we go. But. Continue on. All right, does anyone second that rather oh. long? Can you cut that down? <laughs> I was waiting for you to be done. I'm done. Second. All right. So, uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 All right. So, why don't Michael take this one? Mm -hmm. Open up for us. You need an update? And we're going to pick on Sarah at some point here, too. So don't let her get out of it. Anybody have some questions? <laughs> no, I appreciate the time. So as you all have already seen the draft regulations, we went over and made some of the changes that you folks discussed. Um, as we said, the majority of the first eight pages or so, seven, six or seven pages, were mostly definition changes. Um, nothing, nothing new was there. Um, the first thing that we had discussed that we needed to make a final determination on whether we were going to do it, and certainly the number was if we wanted to cap the current number of tobacco products. Okay. As of now, there are 15 
active permits in town. Yeah. Somewhere in your folder you have a map of them. If they're in, appears to be three or four little clusters, and a couple outliers as well. Um, and we have a 16th that is wants to open something, but is trying to find a location. So we do not have a current application in, we just have someone interested. Um, the suggestion that we had heard was a general one permit for every thousand um, residents of the town, and we have around 15,000 residents, so 15 is a good number. Um, 16 would accommodate the person who's looking. So cap at 15. Do we have, currently the town has 15. Or, or, or do you want to allow for that other person to pass over? Is there a wait list already formed? We do not have a wait list at all. So we are first. Or we have, instead oh, of saying 15, cap at every, at one for every thousand people, is that what you said? That's what the recommendation would be, but I'm not sure we could say. Our current you say that in your recommendation because if your population took a major increase or a major decrease, decrease. you don't want right. to you know, be putting a business out of business. Okay. That's okay. Um, We're so just trying to avoid, you know, in a, in a town the size of yours, uh, 40 tobacco vendors. Sarah, would you come up and sit? I don't think we're done hearing your comment. <laughs> you might continue to educate us, so if you could sit right. here, we could share the microphone. Thank you. So that was the first ma major point that would need to be discussed and decided upon. Um, so my opinion on that is the, the town hasn't had a cap, correct? Correct. And we're at 15, correct. and it's been free range Sell them if you want it. Correct. I don't like the cap, my position, I don't like the cap because I think it's limiting entrepreneurship, if you will, or business, if you will. So I personally don't like it. But you're gonna find that with me a lot in this particular discussion. Anyone else have an opinion on capping? regulations in terms of, you know, our mission as a board is to protect and to promote health. Anything tobacco related is anti-health. So we are pro-business. We are anti-restriction for everything that's good for our community. But you can't say with the evidence we have in 2023 that tobacco is good for our community. So for that reason. That was very well put. Very well put. Okay. Anyone else have a comment about capping? I'm going to concur with that because it was so well I actually have to concur with it too. I'm not going to fight around the cap. I think the cap is okay at this point. So my our current census, according to 2021, is like 15,667 decision as we move forward, the, the regulation is, is the, the number 15 or is the number 16? The individual that's inquired with the potential yeah. has yet to identify a location. But I, I would say 15. 15. So if they identify a location, then they can't get it. They can't sell cigarettes. They can sell something else that's healthy for our community. Bananas? What if they want to sell cigarettes? <laughs> they can open a gym. <laughs> they can sell vitamins. <laughs> 
How many how many tobacco vendors does one town need? As many as it can handle. We do cap alcohol oh. in town. We do. Yes. We do. Yeah. I think cigarettes and alcohol are apples and oranges, or bananas and oranges. They are. Alcohol actually being... Way worse, but that's why we can. Depends on your perspective, right? If I have if I have one or two drinks a day, I'm not going to develop cancer and die from that unless no, I'm predisposed to something. But with nicotine, I could kill myself and the person next to me. I think we all can agree on the negative impact on health from cigarettes and any smoking or nicotine delivery cause. It's just a matter of free business versus but we're already allowing cigarette sales. Right, but we, we are a board of health. We're not, we're not the business development office. And as a result of that, we have to do what's best for the public health in our community, not what's best for the development of business. Don't we have a, a liaison from the selectman's office? Do we have that anymore? Not anymore. No, we well, no, we will. It was Scott Rogers. Yeah. And Scott, um, his term has ended. Well, no, he's voting today's today. election. Today. Today. Yeah. I, we will be appointed a new liaison. So we're just sure, worried about. right around now. <laughs> <laughs> Scott wouldn't have helped you in Maybe this he's regard. Listening. No. No. Maybe he's listening at home and we'll call in. Maybe. <laughs> and what uh, is it about our town that's attractive? <clears throat> going to bring in good tax dollars. Tobacco is a dirty way of doing it. It has been for years. And I think if we if we ignore that as a board of health, we're, we're not doing our due diligence for our constituents or our, you know, our, our town. There are a few sentences that were added by the town council that address this more, certainly more as a health issue. Studies have also shown the limitating, limitations on the number of tobacco retailers have a positive effect on reducing youth smoking rates. Communities that are densely populated with re tobacco retailers make it easier for use to obtain tobacco products because retail outlets are a key marketing channel for tobacco products. And there's a couple paragraphs that add to that. So it's okay. not purely restricting the adults, it's the access to youths. Michael, what page? Those were recent that is on the second by town or council. Page three so officially. Page okay. Yeah. They're in purple. So as you're looking through that, anything that is in yeah. purple was added by town council over the last few days. Oh, yeah. It's suggestions too. Yeah. the next big point of yeah let's moving on okay. move on <laughs> we had also discussed about um, density of retailers we agreed potentially to keep no permits within 500 feet of schools mm -hmm. we'll leave that in there even though it's not a concern everything's over a thousand feet right but it's not a bad thing to have it in there and as the future goes who knows yeah. what will happen we had also discussed keeping them so as I think as Lisa mentioned to not have a tobacco row with retail after retailer by doing 500 feet between other retailers. Once I put it on a map, I realized that six pairs of our current retailers are already within 500 feet of each other. Mm -hmm. So the challenge with adopting that is that if any of them went out of business or sold, they, they wouldn't be able to have a new permit. Right. So we left it in there so you could see it, but we are advising against it. Because we're current density. Because we're limiting the number. Potentially limiting the number anyway, right. so. Yeah. 
And that would be very limiting to the space. So you know some of our small tobacco retailers. You know, so if they go out and they change ownership, we would say, I'm sorry, that can never be a tobacco again because you have a competitor next door. So I think you would directly impact. Yeah. You know, we have what, how many sure. pairs? At least six, six. pairs. Two, yeah. And certainly downtown with the gas stations, there's three within. I think our better goal is to hit the cap than to worry about how close they are. You know, so I, I just think worry so. about the, the existence of so much overlap. Good. So then, uh, so I got my way on that one. <laughs> well, your, your favorite's next. Okay. The Northville Health Department is proposing a ban on smoking bars to be added to the regulations. Smoking what? Smoking bars. Smoking bars. Oh, yeah. Again, the same thing. If it's a free enterprise, with a um, when we first passed the smoking regulations in. All restaurants, all public places could have smoking, but you had to have a negative airflow system in, installed. And that was Governor Romney, I think, is the one who suggested that. All boards took over, and we went through heck with that one because, as you can imagine, the expenses of putting in that that system for all the restaurants. And then, of course, the, the state came in and said, hey, by the way, don't worry about it. We're banning it, and everybody put those in too bad. In a smoking bar, could it be a requirement that they have the negative airflow? Or is this just going back with the no smoking bar because it's bad for people? If people want to smoke cigars, then they should go out in the woods by themselves and smoke cigars because you can't smoke cigars in a smoking bar. You gotta be careful you don't set the woods on fire. <laughs> There's also just uh, Poor you know, animals. concerns I have from enforcement. You know, the health department has been called for air quality concerns and housing subdivisions, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so the biggest concern, I think the greatest argument for not allowing smoking in an area where you have employees is you are subjecting individuals to secondhand smoke. And they work there. You could say, go work elsewhere. But not everybody has a choice on where they're employed. So I just concerned about the long-term health for those employees that are not choosing to actively smoke, but maybe need to work there for earning income. The other concern I have is we have a lot of strip malls in the town of Northborough. I know you spoke in the past that there was a smoking bar in one location, and it may have worked fine in that location. So even if you're not concerned about the employees, my concern is from sort of that air quality health aspect. If we have a strip mall, and one unit decides to be the smoking bar, and it might be the unit right next to your local convenience store, somewhere your kids are gonna be walking by with picking up the pizza and smelling smoke and seeing smoking. You know, I just have concerns about how it could affect, you know, uh, businesses next door. I don't know if other boards or committees would have the ability to regulate that, right? So if it's allowed and we don't have a regulation disallowing it, and they were to go to the ZBA for a permit, for a smoking bar, you know, I guess we could try to get at it then, but I just worry this is a, a clean, simple tool to just eliminate that concern down the line. Um, otherwise, I just I worry about those overlapping uses or the exposure of children seeing or smelling smoke in a social setting. I think it gives the wrong image of what we'd want in Northborough. I mean, I, I imagine you could find a perfect scenario in to say it's the old barbecue place and it's all a standalone building, but we don't get to pick where people propose no. to put these locations. And that's one of the long-term concerns I would have. It's, it was the employees as well that drove that the past. 
the same thing, same arguments. But that's how they they handled it with the negative smoke, the negative airflow was called. Lisa, you have anything to add about smoking bars in, in Northland? You know, I don't think I can add anything more than I already did. Yeah. You know, it sets the wrong image for our town, and the image is, you know, we want our, our community to be healthy. Um, we have, I don't know what the percentage of elementary, middle, and high schoolers are, but they look at, they see all of that, and they, how are they perceiving that? Oh, it's okay, when you're an adult, you can go to a smoking bar, you know? And it's it's just, yeah, that's you know, true. when you think about the social ecological model, we're not really doing well by our, our town by having smoking bars. So. It's kind of a double whammy between the smoking and the bar. <laughs> you're really setting a great example for the kids. Well, you can drink in moderation, but smoking in moderation is not as... Well, you can. You can go in and smoke a cigar. It's not recommended anymore since the 1960s Surgeon General Report, so... <laughs> it's good to keep that in mind. They did used to recommend smoking. I argued against it then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I understand where the, the board would go on that one. And I'm old enough to remember the smoking bar. <laughs> it was owned by uh, Bucky Rogers. Yeah. Right? It was down, just the park is there now, I think. That's the spot. It was a big home there. Yeah. And then they had the other one. I never went to the other one. The Havana House. The Havana House. Yeah. It was here when I moved in. <laughs> so, on the. It was a stinky place. <laughs> and there's another one, just a side note. There's a place in Worcester. I think it's Mike's. It's right across from the DCU. If you're walking through the back side of the DCU, it's across the street. And I was going court or something that morning, walking by, and it had to be like eight o'clock in the morning, eight uh, thirty. And of course, the, the place is closed, and I'm on the opposite side of the street, and I could smell it from <laughs> from there. And I was like, "Oh man!" Worcester has almost half of the smoking bars. It was stinky. socioeconomic status and it really targets people that don't know better and it's really sad and smoking bars are the only um, type of tobacco vendor in the state where flavored tobacco products are now allowed to be sold so you can go and buy a grape cigar or whatever but it's for on-site consumption so if somebody smokes Newport menthols mm. and they go into a smoking bar and they buy a pack of Newport menthols technically they're supposed to sit there and smoke all 20 of them <laughs> or throw them out at you know twelve dollars a pack so they have these hookah bars i've never been i don't know anything about them is that That's what we're talking about a smoking bar is the, those worcester as well they must yeah. be yeah you ever go to one no no me either <laughs> anybody in this room ever go to the hookah bar <laughs> all right we can move on i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next category is regulating individual cigar sale pricing. They're certainly not allowed to be sold on a single individual basis, um, but the suggestion by the state is to regulate a dollar value to them. Um, so the suggested from the MHOA retail model was $2.90 for a single. 
So a, a package of two would be $5.80. Um, all meant to discourage youth use. Um, during my in the, um, inspections with the MHOA representative recently, all of our current retailers are at or above that level already. So it would be prohibitive to, to bring that. We're dictating what they can sell, what they can't sell, even though it's a legal product. But I understand it, I suppose. It, how does that? So what's it? Minimum five bucks now? What did you say? Five dollars and five dollars and eighty cents in a for a pack of two. Page. page ten of eighteen. huge, huge decrease in youth purchasing cigars because they were buying them for 50 cents a piece. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, a skinny little black and mild that they got for 50 cents is now up to 250. They're not gonna, no, they're they're not not gonna, gonna buy it. So now we're moving it to 5.8. No, no, for, for two. 5.80 for a multi-pack, so yeah. two, four, right. 5.80. Okay. It's not oh, very that. far off from Michael what they're already selling. So I, that would maybe only impact by a few cents. So we're okay. self-regulated. Nope, my position, but I will accept that. Anyone else have anything to say about that one? Okay. The next few subjects are just getting our current our reg our new regulations in line with the state rules that have been in place already for years, flavoring to flavored tobaccos and uh, nicotine content in um, the electronic vaping products. Uh, the prohibition on the sale of blunt wraps in North Carolina had already been on the books, which is continuing along with what had already been decided upon. The section on coupon, coupon excuse me, redemption is added, but it's nothing new. It's all adopting the state laws as well. Just going through all, all the way down through um, pretty much all the way down to section T, which is, begins on page 13, which is the only other section we need to discuss in terms of the violations. Um, we had had some proposals when we presented the regulations to you. We were going to adopt some, maybe some different um, fine structure, but council came back with their recommendations. <laughs> so for the, just, just to recap so everyone's aware, back a couple pages, I'm sorry, where is it? I apologize. Page 15 describes all the different um, violations of the laws. So there's a, the section on the left are the state laws, and the section on the right would be our laws. So it's a, a state requirement in terms of what the fine structure is for violations of state law. It would be $1,000 for the first violation, $2,000 for the second violation, and $5,000 for the third violation. And those would go with various uh, permit permit suspensions as well, which were added on page 16. Okay. And then a violation to the local regulations we had discussed. There was a, a fine structure of a first violation of 100, second violation 200, third violation 300, or a suggestion could be to do 300 across the board. Town Council has suggested a, a 100 for the first offense, 200 for the second offense, 300 for the third offense. So we keep the local as is. For the local violations, yes. And then we're just so the fine structure pretty much stays the same right. in both. But 
no suspensions anymore? The suspensions is on page 16. Oh, that's going to come later. Its own category. Council rewrote that section and now it's its own category. Okay, great. I'm sorry, which one? Yep. Um, yes, we yep. It, council has actually suggested deleting that entire sentence. So it's a inferred shall, I guess you could say. It says the following penalties apply in the case of a first violation, the final $1,000. Does that work? It's an implied shall. Okay. I just want to summarize quickly. The, we had a little trouble making sense of town councils because it looked like they really tore it all apart. But what they really did, if you, they broke it into three discrete sections. So it's, you know, the following state fine shall apply, the next section, you know, local, and then talks about penalties. So although it looks like they struck full sections, they just were really relocated into three distinct sections. So especially on page 16, if you want to pick up there, Michael, you see all of that paragraphs like two through seven were struck. Yeah. However, they were just reinserted slightly if you want to walk them through, Michael, the, the section three picking up on page 16. Permit suspension or revocation. So that's where it is. I'm not sure what to speak to. It just, it, they, they just reworded it and, and rewrote it in different ways. Right. Yeah. Only question I have actually for Sarah then that I should have asked before. If you're selling to a, a minor, is there a requirement specifically for that, for a first violation, for suspension? The difference between a sale to a minor, sorry. The difference between a sale to a minor and let's say a sale of flavored products to an adult is um, that they both get a $1,000 fine the first time, but the sale to a minor also gets a permit suspension of, and that's up at the discretion of the board, but you should set an amount of time so that you're consistent with your vendors on what you give them for a permit suspension, but it's up to 30 days, zero to 30. Most municipalities are setting it at about two or three days because their second suspension, generally they're going, there, it's about seven days, so they want something kind of in between. So on page 16, council suggested the first offense of any of the violations would be a permit suspension of up to three days. For, for a local regulation violation or any violation? It is unclear to me. I'm not sure the answer to that. It's not separated out, so it looks to be me any. that it would be for any violation. So the first is one. I'm sorry. First offense would be up to three days. Second offense, up to seven. Third offense, up to 30. And beyond that, you get your permit revoked. Um, you've already got longer suspensions than you your current regulations. I think um, it had said there was no, for our, Violation of our local didn't have a suspension, and the second violation was up to seven days. So, it, unless I'm misreading it, yeah. Um, but on where is it? Excuse me. If you hop onto the next page on section six, they had added the penalty guidelines are only a guide. The board or its agents may use its discretion to determine whether the facts surrounding the violation warrant a penalty, which is more lenient or severe than suggested. So, your your concern at the last meeting about say the humidor being unlocked. Yeah. Um, there might be some 
leeway. L leeway on discretion of the, of the board and its agents. However, but no. any tobacco vape sales to a person under the age of 21 is automatic $1,000 suspension, $1,000 fine, yep. and up to three days suspension. I think Sarah had something to add. Humidor is considered a self-service display. So, so you can't even have a humidor. You can have one, but it needs to be locked so that customers. Oh, no, we agreed on that. It was just to, access it. Yeah. we knew that was a violation. Yeah. But I was saying this seems awfully harsh to have a $1,000 penalty for a kid who forgets to, a kid, an 18-year-old clerk who forgets to lock the humidor. Twenty-one at the smoking age. Yeah, no. smoking age. What about the employees, though? That's what I'm saying. The employees, there's no regulation on that. So it could be a sixteen-year-old selling cigarettes. Okay. Or so. sometimes in mom and pops, you get nieces, nephews, kids, whatever that are younger than sixteen. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem that I have with these regulations: is in a typical one, pick one. Don't say it a lot. They've they've hired, you know, Sally who's getting out of uh, her junior classes at the high school to go work at one of the stores to sell cigarettes. And she makes a mistake. She sells it. There's a $1,000 fine and uh, up to a three-day suspension. There's training. She gets fired. Next year, Joey's, same thing, um, doesn't sell, but he forgets to lock the humidor. So there's your second violation. Now it's a $2,000 $2, fine, I think, and up to seven days suspension. He gets fired. You know, you, you've got, let's say, a corporate entity, like Honey Farms, but not Honey Farms, who owns the store, and they, you know, they visit there once a month, and they try and keep the employees under wraps and that kind of thing. But you can't account. As much as you yell at these people, you, you beat it into them, so to speak, this is the law, this is what you're gonna fall. You don't fall, you're gonna get fired. And then you get Joey coming in, oh, all right, here you go, oh, sorry, you're fired. The stores are, you know, and I'm not a corporate, but let's say a mom and pop is now out $2,000 and up to seven days, which is another probably $2,000 worth of inventory sales loss, because it's very difficult to run these employees just like it is with the restaurants. And you know, you tell them over and over, keep the hand sanitizer up to, to speed. They never, I don't say they never do it. It's a constant battle to get your employees to follow the rules. And I think that I, my personally, I don't mind the rules as much as I mind the rather exorbitant fines. I well, think the, the states fines. set those fines. So and we can't get around them? Talk to your legislators and that's about it? that. And that's it. I there's will be no, quiet. There's no wiggle room on the fines, yeah. I'm going to the, to the state house tomorrow with my sign because I think they're, exor I think they're exorbitant. They, they are, for, they some, are. for some group of retailers, but not for others. Like you look at the big retailers like Honey Farms or... or a lot of dough. Or Cumberland Farms, you know, they can absorb those problems a little easier than the smaller mom and pops like Lowe's. If Lowe's had that incident, but at the end of the day, anybody who owns or runs a business knows it's a hundred percent on them to make sure the person who's up in the front running the store knows exactly what they're doing and they're doing it right. 
And if I trust you to run my business and you are running it right, well, shame on me for not paying attention. Does it? Yeah, and there's I get training it. available. There's I free training it. available online in English and Spanish for retail clerks. There's training available for store owners and managers. Um, you know, when Michael went out with my inspector, they do an inspection. Also involved in that is some merchant education, yeah. things like that. So there's, it's not like here's your business, good luck, and I hope you don't violate any laws. We offer them a lot of assistance, short of somebody manning the store for them. Yeah, that's good to and know. To further that point, you know, Michael and the inspector that was sent out from MHOA with um, Sarah's inspector, they carry the signs. They're not looking to say, gotcha, you don't have the sign, but right. it's in my bag. They give them that sign and ask them to sign it. Like, just like Michael with any food inspection, the goal is always, can I correct this while I'm on site? Yep. Right? right and so i think i know the biggest one that we feel is irritable like you know a little onerous is the signage like which of the 12 there's a lot of signs i don't know exactly how many but those are things where we're there to assist michael or the inspector carries copies that's not the gotcha we're looking for you know i think the gotcha is are you selling to underage you know do you have a self-service display where a child could reach in and snag a tobacco product um so it's the bigger items, the easy things we address on site. I think it's the, the vaping is really what going with the underage. I know I'm doing a lot of speaking this evening, but <laughs> the vaping goes with the underage thing, I think, really. So if we're regulating those two categories, mm -hmm. then that's really what we're looking for, I think. I think. Yeah, there, is, there is some some discretion. I mean, I think um, you know. I know when I when I train um, inspectors like Michael and I talk about humidors and and how you remedy situations like that, you negotiate and you say, okay, how long will it take you to get a lock on this humidor if it doesn't have a lock on it? And if the retailer says, oh, I could probably have a lock on it in six months. But yet driving up, you notice a hardware store three doors down, you work on that and you negotiate that. And you go back, you check, and it's got a lock on it and everything's fine. But you go for another inspection six months, a year later, and it's not locked, then it's probably time to issue the fine. I have nothing. You moved through a lot of those worst of this it continues I think the other um, thing that was left open Michael's really talked through all of it um, all these purple changes at the end was really from council reorganizing and then really the effective date if the board were to pass it what would be a reasonable effective date it's always easy to start the new fiscal year and we're you know far enough off to post the notice if the board were to pass the regulation tonight or a future date um, July 1st. pressure you know, it's, it's nice to start a new calendar year and send out permit renewals and the updated copies of the regulations would be ideal timing from our and office standpoint. When is that? July 1st or January 1st? Or um, our December. fiscal year is July 1. Our permits renew at the end of the year. They're like a calendar so are you, year. Are you saying the end of the year? Are you saying? I would do July 1st. July 1st. Because that gives us time to notify. That's sort of our, our calendar with the Board of Health that documents our goals, objectives, things moving. But so the only thing we really have as far as is number one, finding, determining there's been a violation, mm -hmm. right? And number two, not so much the financial 
penalty as much as the what are we going to do about the permit penalty? Right? Determine that there's been a violation. Michael comes in and says, oh, they, you know, the humidor was unlocked seven times. The place next door had a lock sale. They didn't bother. Well, it sounds like council's given you recommendations. Right. Council's right? here. They're there to support us. We have many other local boards of health. Michael and I have called around. Um, Southboro recently issued a fine. They send a simple letter. You know, um, Sarah's office has provided that to us. We've had town council take a look at it. You send the letter, and you know what? They're going to renew in the next year, so they'll have to pay that fee by the time they go to renew. You know, are we going to be there knocking on the door every day and take him to court? You know, simply just, you know, you no, can push it, but it's an long. annual renewal. So, and what we've heard in Southboro and Northbridge recently issued some fines is that they paid right away. They walked through the door and paid that week. So it doesn't seem like right. the finding's really the issue. The hardest part is just having the regs and following the process and getting out there and completing the inspection. I'm just trying to figure out what the, the role of the board is. So number one, we have a fact-finding, yeah. still in fact-finding. No, Michael's your agent, so he's so authorized to issue. Unless there's an we, appeal. Unless there's an appeal or they okay. request well, it. So we just come. We'll keep it out of your hands unless they As say no. As the health department, I'm authorized to levy the local fines without question. And there's a, and this, a part of the regulation that designates us as the enforcement arm. For the state. Of the right. state. All right. So the authorities directly from so unless they appeal, we, won't we don't, we, we'll hear about it, but we don't know about it. It won't be coming here. Yeah. I can live with that. I can live with that. Okay. Better. No, Not that. really. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand the whole smoking thing. It's terrible, but it's just a weighing out business versus, you know. Cancer. Cancer. <laughs> So yes, the thank only you. Question <laughs> that we need to finalize is how many permits you want. They said 15. I didn't hear the official. Well, the, the other two who aren't here would probably say less, so we're in good shape. I'll take yeah, it. They, they, they would say yes. They would say less. Right. Of course, they would they say would less. Like the three. Revoke all the others. Yeah, we don't need any. All right. Well, that's I, fair enough. I have a. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a couple. Yes. I think I said, I'm just trying to figure out where, if, if anything that I made notes on has already been changed. Give us a try. We might know. If you would go to your original okay. notes, we might so, um, Okay. So on the new version on page nine, the maximum number of tobacco product sales permits. Mm -hmm. So we got 15. Then there's this wait list. If... Um, is there anything in there, like the ABCC regs used to have something about you, could, you can't have common ownership of two different corporations owning two, you know, two liquor licenses. Like liquor licenses had to only be owned by one entity with one group of people so as to avoid a behind the scenes monopoly. There's nothing in there like that, right? No. We actually no. care about that so much. I don't know I'm aware of that being an issue here. Okay. Um, and then if, if my permit is, if my permit's revoked, then it can go to that guy who's on the waiting list. Correct. Well, I bet they would probably argue to appeal that, you know what I mean, to follow the process if it was right. re, you know. So I think if we were, well, I don't know who will be in place. Is a health director? If they're, if they're going to revoke, a, we're going to revoke a permit, 
Um, that would I would bring that to the Board of Health to revote. We have the ability to find. We would bring it to the Board of Health, and I think there would be a discussion at that time. But we understand if we revoke this, you know, I think the board could make that decision as to are we moving to the wait list or are we going to allow them a certain set period of time to make amends and reapply. I mean, at that point, revocation of the permit is going to come before the board, and you would consider if there was a cap and it was met and how that would impact that business. That would. Procedurally, I believe that's how I would handle revoking okay. a permit. If it gets revoked, it means it's back in the, the gene pool. Are we now, by limiting the number, kind of like what happened with the alcohol licenses, by limiting the number, are we increasing the value of, the, of that permit? They're non-transferable. So the non-transferable? Non-transferable, the way it's written. So you can't sell it to someone. I can't sell my business right. to somebody else? You can sell your business to somebody else, but the new owner just nearly needs to apply for the permit. But but you have this, well, let's say you have a waiting list, though. And that was, like, my next question. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a waiting list. Okay. And so if I'm selling my business to Glenn and Liz is on the waiting list, he's got to apply for, he wants to apply for my permit, but technically she should be the one to get it. That's a good question, I do. Unless, could we write in a provision to state that in the case of a change of ownership, you know, that preference would be given, they would be given preference on the, because the use and the investment of the property is a real concern. Someone mm -hmm. has set up mm -hmm. a workspace, they've outfitted it, it has a value as a business. Right, right. Could we add something to the section regarding the cap to state in cases of, in cases of change of ownership for an existing location, I'm sure we could put something in there to address that concern. Yeah, I think in that sale of business section, it can stay as it is, but I think if you clarify that... The cap. The, that as, a, as a singular exception, that, that permit can be transferred to the new owner, can be assigned to the new owner and not to the next person on the waiting list mm -hmm. as a singular exception to the rule. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm going to check on that just to make sure. I think that's something we could find a way to work with legal to address in the section. Uh, Regarding the cap, and it's a good point. Excellent question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cigar sales. Is this section under G? Is it still G? Yep, G section three. Mm -hmm. Is that like wholesalers? Like why do we, it looks like this like singular and the singular sale and the mm -hmm. twin pack sale doesn't apply to an entity engaged in the business of selling or distributing for commercial purposes to another person or entity. Wh who's contemplated under that? Like, who does that actually apply to? That's an excellent question. I'm not sure if I understand well, this so under cigar sales, it says that the the pro, the dollar prohibition, the value prohibition on singular and right. twin packs, doesn't apply to a person engage or entity engaged in the business of selling or distributing cigars for commercial purposes to another person or entity engaged in the business of selling or distributing cigars for commercial purposes, with the intent to sell or distribute outside the boundaries of the town. So who like what's an example of what that would be? Wholesaler. You know, like a traveling cigar and salesman. And we don't uh, permit cigar salesmen can't sell in Northboro without a permit. Okay. But um, a wholesaler, it, it, it basically says it doesn't apply to a wholesaler. 
who permits, but we don't permit wholesalers. That's by the state. So I think that section may, might be more applying to the state because we, we state don't side. issue permits for wholesalers. That, that's okay. a state permit. Okay. Right. And then in the next section, H, I think that at the end of, so third line down where it says as defined herein, should that comma be a period? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Good catch. Thank you. And then I have a note here. So for H and I, where they have they receive documentation from the manufacturer regarding the um, the nicotine or the flavored tobacco yes. or whatever it is, is that Do they need to keep those documents on hand and make them available at the time of an inspection? Yes, they do. When that first went into effect, the flavor ban and the nicotine bans, they were all sent letters from the state mm -hmm. um, detailing all of that specifically. Um, soon after we did our last inspection, I sent them a copy of that original letter along with other documentation showing them what they need to have. So they're fully aware of that. They should have been okay. in 2020, 21, whenever it came out. Under R, prohibition of smoking in the public places. Mm -hmm. I note there's some private schools in town. I think we have the ability to also identify them as well. Is that something we want to do? I didn't consider any revisions to this. This was taken word for word directly from prior. Okay. Um, daycares, we have private, small private schools. I'm thinking like Fitzgerald. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, so the caption is prohibition of smoking in public places, public but then it places. says on the following properties in the town of Northborough. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's only going to be limited to town-owned properties. Um, so I guess I would just consider adding. Right, because those are the those are just the public. Yeah. Buildings. It meets is educational. But is there a requirement that you can't walk from Honey Farms to Monty's Pizza smoking a cigarette on that sidewalk? You can do that. If right? within a public way of the I don't know the rule to that. I think place has to be defined. Public property. That, was, that part was this, this definition part, of so property. So the state's model regulation doesn't have the prohibition on this smoking in public places. A lot of towns have it as two regulations. But Northborough's original version on the books back however many years ago, Glenn, Way 2016, you had merged it into one. So rather than to like overly change, we inserted yeah. the same section. So mm -hmm. this was inserted word for word. So regarding moving forward, I think we have a couple of choices. We can fix that language or we could pull it out and do it as a standalone smoking in public places regulations, which I think would be a lot cleaner um, because there's some great model examples of those that are just that okay. are standalone. Because a lot of people are going to think this is about the sale of tobacco, not smoke, you know, your smoke yeah. free yeah. Um, places. What I, do you, I guess, Sarah, what do you see most often? Two regulations? Two regulations, and I can send Michael a copy of the uh, template smoke-free workplace. Sorry to make more work for you, Michael. No, smoke-free workplace. I was trying to make less work for you by incorporating <laughs> it into one. But well, if the board's open to a second set of regulations soon, then I will happily redraft. Yeah. Will smoke-free workplace cover what we're 
what you were just brought up? Let's, or there could be... We can make sure it does. It I, does. I it, that's just... You could have a volunteer basketball game at somewhere. If it's if it's a basketball game on a, in school property, then that's a school property. But let's say it's I don't know. St. John's gym. I'm thinking like in Clinton they have St. John's gym. Yeah. Right. It's a private place. Would that get covered? It's not a school. Yeah. Well, St. John's is a, just the church. Just the church. They probably uh, have a policy. Church. No it's smoking. It's church. No smoking in the buildings. No smoking within, you know, 20 feet of, of entrances or whatever. I bet you they did. Yeah, but... Otherwise, people would be sitting in the stands smoking at a basketball game. Well, I, I, I used to work at the courthouse, and I can't tell you how many times I would go into the women's room, and mm. the court reporters would be in there smoking it up. And I'm yeah. like... Really? Yes, really. <laughs> Jane Brown. Did you know Jane Brown? Mm. Jane Brown, all the time. Well, we um, just started, I believe we just started a case um, in Athol, I believe it was, that had a private a private club, like the Lith yep, Lithuanian right. club. That is a private okay. club that had smoking, but they were not allowed to right. because members of the public could have gone in there as right. guests of the club or things like that. So even though it was That's a private club and private property, they were allowed to maintain the smoking yeah, ban. Their two dollar beers and were able to smoke. And we used to have it. I don't think we have that anymore. Because I remember it came up with the AMVETS. Yeah. So we if you let them smoke if they want to smoke. If it's truly a private club and you can only get in with a membership, right? Then that's one thing. But the problem in that case was that they were letting other members of the general public in as so-called guests, and then you could bring in your fifty guests if you wanted to. Right. So you know, you just had to know somebody's first name. Did you smoke at the Ambets now? Here in town? I know we, we I, said we could. I don't. If I don't. recall, I think we were like okay with that because of where it was and who they were. Yeah. I don't know. So well, check on that. So the, if we were looking at this, Michael and or Sarah, the sections that are unique to Uxbridge that we inserted, is it just section R? Or Norbert, what did I say? I'm still back in the day. So is it just section R, sorry, prohibition? R and S. I'd say S also. Because they incorporate into the, the smoke-free environment and workplace. Right. So, so R and S. I would recommend, I also wouldn't want to make major changes to smoking rules in this town without giving our board of selectmen and other key town departments the ability to look over that. Yep. I'm thinking from the HR. So my recommendation to the board would be striking sections R and S mm -hmm. and for the town to then look to the Board of Health to just adopt a standalone smoke-free workplace regulation rather than to yeah. muddy the waters here. I don't know if that changes our title, Michael or Sarah, at all from the model regulations mm -hmm. nope. or did we feel it like... It says use, but I think, excuse me, I think it... Is that the standard? That was the title of the original the one. That's the title from the, MA, the state Okay, so that's, that's the same. And yep. then it, the, the board, and I would recommend a separate hearing notice and a separate draft if we wanted to yep. okay. separate those. Yep. So striking, you know, without adding a period on one page, Michael, yep, and the striking it. of section R and S. Okay. Or 
great. Now we're getting the outdoors. I, <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. It's, what, it's terrible when you're at the beach and you feel like oh, you've been smoking all day. We'll pull in the doctors for that one. <laughs> but we don't really have any lovely Hampshire. beaches here in town, so no. we're Go to there. the beach oh, in New Hampshire. I, I don't like spelling it. The big ashtray. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> Yeah, when but you're like walking around with your kids and they're little and they're picking up seashells and cigarette butts. Yeah. That's a great collection. I myself <laughs> used to be a lifeguard back in the day and part of my daily routine was picking up cigarette butts. So I understand. If it helps, I can speak for a lot of this firsthand. I started smoking when I was 13 and I smoked a pack a day till I was 32 years old. So yep. I know firsthand how it started and the effects that can have on people. Oh, one of those ex-smokers explains mm -hmm. a lot. <laughs> I'm an ex-smoker too. I started. When I'm I was an ex-smoker. Well, quit when I was 24. You know, just. But you quit for a reason. If you're yeah, an ex-smoker, you quit for a reason, right? <laughs> <Here's> it. <laughs> I still can't so breathe. So here and here you are, trying to advocate for more smoking. No, I'm not. I'm just sort of more ability to buy it, more ability to smoke it. I'm all for freedoms. <laughs> as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Oh, that's why I'm giving you, I'm acknowledging <laughs> your acquiescing. fine, loudly, <laughs> acquiescing to your fine points being made here this evening. Uh, Teresa, were there more notes? That's no, I was just that was add. it. Thank oh, you. Yes. That was it. Thank you. I appreciate you indulging me on that. Great. No, those were good fine points. Council has reviewed, so the board could look to make a motion. Um, close so close the public hearing. hearing, and then if you'd like to vote on the regulations tonight, as amended. As amended. Sure. Yes. What else the other two? You know what they're going to say. Right. <laughs> You're beaten down here this evening. <laughs> All right, um, Teresa, I will entertain a motion to I close the public hearing. I move to close the public hearing. I second it. Aye. 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 And we'll pick that up. Do you want to vote done? tonight? So we'll make a motion. Oh, I see. Then we're going to have a second. That'll be a whole nother reg, a whole nother posting. It's going to be a second regulation or incorporated into this? I would recommend standalone. That's how most towns do it. Really? So it's much clearer. It's also clearer from a, like a oh. HR town administration, like between the schools, that they don't want to read through all of this to get to what am I allowed to do on the school property, oh, okay. what am I allowed, versus it's better to educate, like building users of this is the, you know, smoke. Well, we've certainly made a lot of advancements this evening. So are we, so we going to vote? We're going to vote on the regulations. Are you ready? I'm ready. So um, I move to accept the regulation of the Northborough Board of Health restricting the sale and use of tobacco products as proposed along with edits. Um, so recorded from this evening's review. Second. With an effective date of July 1st, 2023. Second. Perfect. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. I, good job, I appreciate everyone's time. Yeah, Thank that you. was good. That was some good work. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.
What town you after next? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Thank you, Thank you so for much being for here. coming. We really wow, that's we appreciate your. You were very helpful. So yes. Yes. It was a wasted trip. You were very helpful. I'll be back to the. Uh, smoke-free work. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Safe travels. Look forward to it. Thank you. Uh, anything else? Yep. Um, oh, we do have other stuff. The Greater Boroughs Partnership for Health update that a grant increase. So the um, Board of Health had to, all local boards of health in Massachusetts that are part of the Public Health Excellence Grant Program had to complete a phase three assessment. Do you remember doing the surveys maybe like last fall? Yeah. Um, so after that review process and scoring criteria were presented with a card, a review of the findings as compared to other municipalities. Overall, our performance rate was around 79% across all criteria. That was pretty much dead in line um, with the other individuals in the state. Um, don't forget the assessment was both looking back in time to pre-COVID, pre-increase the staffing as well. So that's something the state is most likely going to continue doing. But based off those results and a review of like the uh, per capita, per each PHE region, the state awarded, I believe across the board, all of the PHE regions, such as the Greater Borough Partnership for Health, an increase in fiscal year 24 funding. So the core grant that we are in our current second year is $300,000 a year. They've added an additional $160,000 for next year. That's nice. So we are busy working on a work plan. Michael's been working on it. Aaron, Isabella, and really, okay, what are we going to do as a region? Um, we don't have a lot of clarity about that extra 160 is going to be always available, right? So when we received the original $300,000 core grant, we were told it's really a 12-year grant. You know, as long as you're continuing to meet, that's really sustainable funding. And that's why Northrow is the host, went so far as to hire Michael Seeger as a permanent full-time staff. This 160, we're still waiting for a little more guidance, but... Um, we are developing that budget right now, and that money is in the, you know, the, the contact tracing grant we have for 160 is in addition to this 460,000. Mm. And then even maybe in addition to if we were to get the drug-free community award. So lots of funding, this funding for PHE and that contact tracing grant is really for the four towns. So the advisory board, DELEAP is, you know, list is our second voting member. We're meeting to develop those work plans. I think we have a meeting in two weeks' time, Michael, the Greater Boroughs Partnership oh, yeah, for Health. 17. So we'll be developing that work plan. Um, our plan is to move Isabella's epidemiologist position into the PHE grant, which is a more secure funding source. I think that position's been key. Um, it's been She's been a great resource. It's great to have that staffing. So we're going to look to use the additional money and move the staff on contact tracing over to the PHE grant, which builds a long-term sustainable staff model, which is working right now. We think it's working really well. And now we're gonna be getting more creative of how do we use that leftover contact tracing money. Um, so we're looking to all different ideas, possibly doing our own community health assessment, um, possibly even looking to bring in a third party to help us digitize Board of Health files. We're looking to expand maybe into a maternal health program and supporting new moms in town offering um, some nursing visits with that with skilled maternal health nurses um, a whole slew of ideas and we'll be opening those to you as well 
if you know of any unmet needs in the community. Um, there are key requirements as to what we can do with the grant. You know, I can't uh, bias a you know a, a new place or office or replace the carpets. But uh, relative to public health, we're looking to improve some public health communication. New website with greater powers, better access to resources. Uh, Michael and the nurse has been working on some standard operating procedures. So. We're doing a lot of overhaul, lots of ideas. I'll, I'll try to get those before you. But as we develop this work plan, I know that fiscal year is right away. We just received this notification about a week and a half, two weeks ago. So we haven't had a lot of time. We'll be formulating those ideas. But the state's very flexible. So if we come up with an idea and maybe the, we don't have a vendor to do the work or there's not a lot of interest, we do have the ability to reallocate during that fiscal year. So more to come. That's so great. lots of good work there uh, from the staff. And we'll be diligently planning out it's really you know the town just survived town meeting in our budget season uh you know with the town and so the grants are just a little delayed in that you know it comes down from the state so we're sort of like three months behind the town as we get ready for the grant i think last year our budget was due to the state one year into the fiscal year mm. so it was like almost retroactive <laughs> so, but we're getting there so we'll definitely be sharing those updates with you still there still there yeah that's the great news in the mail yeah good any questions on that? No, I'm That's sure wonderful. Uh, Be Well Northborough. So the big kickoff or the second summer carnival event is scheduled for last year's school, June 22nd. June 22nd. Um, so no, we just want to again encourage Good. members if you have any interest in attending or like more information, we'll definitely have a health department table. Our nurses will be there talking about Narcan, fentanyl strips, what harm reduction is. Um, you know, inviting people to attend one, either request a one-on-one -on -one training, um, and then we'll have our free sunscreen giveaways. The DPW just today picked up all the sunscreen dispensers we purchased through Be Well with the Impact Melanoma Project. So you're going to see three of those out at Ellsworth that will be there in time for the park event, one at Assabet as well. Um, so those projects are coming together. But yeah, just encourage you guys to attend that event. Any volunteers? We will. We were just saying we, we last year we're hoping it's going to happen again. We had Wegmans that had um, donated just great healthy snacks and bananas and clementines and apple slices and so yeah we need sort of fun volunteers who want to help man the free food station or rec department was overwhelmed by popcorn filling of bags <laughs> last year so yeah if you have time it's a really fun event and it's on the 22nd it's only one to four so it's not a huge time commitment should be able to fit that in yeah it was really fun last year at least part of that yeah so my, feel free yeah. i volunteered teresa <laughs> Very enthusiastic popcorn. Yeah, we get asked a bunch of things, and I don't can't always do it. No, that's you know. good. And the front freebies this year to give away, we were really trying to do the whole like sun safety, impact melanoma, health department will be doing the sun's cancer awareness program, uh, but there'll be sunglasses distributed by the library at their wheel, a giveaway wheel, and mm. I think beach balls and thinking outdoor and active sort of things. So yeah. all down at the. Ellsworth. Ellsworth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also this year we expanded a little to include some of our civic, you know, organizations in town that provide some health and human services. So I think like different clubs were invited, like Trails Committee, for example, is a great group, you know, just so yeah. people can make those connections. Junior Women's Club, there's some great volunteer opportunities and other work they do. So you'll see a few few clubs, but we're not including businesses. So I know there, we've had a lot of businesses that wanted to be part of it or ice cream trucks that wanted to pull out. And this is really a town event and then some of our key partners, nonprofit groups that we've worked with. That's it. Wonderful. Any other business that we haven't discussed this evening? Um, I took the CPR AED 
Court. Mm-hmm. And she was really, really good. Oh, that's it was an excellent selection. It was a really good course. My daughter, 16-year-old daughter, took it also. And mm-hmm. I, it, I think it's great that the town offered it. And the cost was full. Yeah, was we should have that more. So we have a long-term plan. So that was partially funded through Be Well. Yeah. We got approval from the state to have all of our nurses, our contracted nurses, train in CPR. And we also have permission from the state to use our contract tracing money to purchase 12 dummies. Oh, good. Both infant and adult. Mm-hmm. And now that we have a revolving fund that was approved at town meeting, we're hoping to offer monthly, at least monthly, um, CPR discounted CPR courses for the public. That's so, fantastic. Um, yeah. I think once we're in, so the cost of the course would be something just to really cover the card. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to get the certification card that gets emailed, but the nurses' time, you know, we have the nurses. If we have such a demand, we're also going to have two of our per diem nurses hopefully trained so we could just pay them per diem through that grant and we'd be offered, able to definitely continue with that $30 a class kind yeah. of rate and then it would just keep going. So I think it's. Uh, I think it's fabulous. You know, the hardest part is having the dummies, and we're getting approval through the fire department to get the high-tech ones, just so you can see when you're doing your um, compressions. You know, they light up and all that. So we're in that ordering process right now, and um, and I think we can sustain it over time. Great. You know, with our existing staff, it's really those one-time purchases, and the library has been fabulous to obviously give us that space for free. Yeah. Assist us with regi- registrations. We'll have to figure out, figure that out, that element. So I might need to work with Allie a bit with rec. But our goal is to continue. So I'm really glad to hear that was positive. Yeah, that I was talked great. to a lot of people that said, "Oh, I took that course." So it sounds like it really well received. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. She was good. How long was the course? Like, it was just a couple hours. Yeah. I think an hour and forty-five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you save somebody's life, it's definitely worth that time. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's worth it even if you don't save. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you can save trying. Yeah, yeah. You try. At least you try. You weren't helpless. Oh, that's really good. Minutes. Minutes, I don't see them. I just realized we didn't have those printed, and I think we're going to have the same game of not maybe having a quorum on those minutes. Okay. We looked at them last... We don't have them in our old packets. No one's asking. The good news is there's a draft available if anybody requests. April, May, June. We have three months to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So we still haven't had anything. And the drafts are available. So typically, I think open meeting laws, if someone requests, you've got to produce the draft minutes within 10 days. So, sorry. Yeah, I see Mary Ange with all that extra stuff we pulled. Software ones, those are all set. Oh, and what was that? We did that. that was that. I think it was just that we didn't have a quorum for Tuesday, March 21st. To vote. Yep. Oh, so you have the two then. They're both here. So we Tuesday, March 21st, present was Delete, Lisa, and Swati. We don't have a quorum to vote. Yeah. And then for the joint meeting for Algonquin, for the two boards of health present from. That was for the field. I thought we did those already. No, that was Glenn, Teresa, Swati, and Lisa. So we do have a quorum, but I felt that we didn't have a quorum on the January. Oh, no, we did vote those. You're right. So it was April 11th we're looking for. And Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just less me. So, okay. In that case. Yeah. Second. All those in favor. Aye. Aye. Aye.